character becomes memorable based on the level of adversity and conflict that they're facing and how they deal with it. The hero is always defined by the villain. Stevens. I am the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of the kick-ass Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers and this is the Taylor Stevens show with Steve Campbell and we are here today to talk about what are we talking about Steve? Several weeks ago um, actually several several weeks ago you put out a call we did a we we talked about uh, books that had influenced you, and you asked listeners if there were any that they would recommend. One of the recommendations from Bruce was a book from Linda Seger, I think, S-E-G-E-R, called Creating Unforgettable Characters. We talked about this a few weeks ago and thought it would make a... Uh, a good topic. And yeah. with, with your new intro to the show, where you're the author of these kick-ass books, um, <laughs> you know, you have created an unforgettable character. So who better to talk about? Since we can't get Linda on the phone, let's talk to Taylor about creating unforgettable characters. We, we would wish that Taylor had something really valuable to offer on this subject. Um, I, I think it's a fascinating subject, and I'm glad we're talking about it. But at the same time, some, I feel like I'm still a student too because uh how do I put this one time one time I think I put a quote up on Facebook that said something like um it's so frustrating when you don't know the recipe to your own secret sauce <laughs> something along those lines That's a, you are quotable <laughs> and um I was I you know when I wrote the informationist it was it was an accident. I didn't do it on purpose. I, I was just telling a story, and I didn't deliberately set out to create Monroe to be who she was. Um, that was an accident, too. So I don't get to claim genius status or anything for, you know, creating this awesome character. But that doesn't mean that I haven't learned a lot about creating characters along the way. So, uh, but, I, but I still feel like I'm a student. I'm still trying to find that recipe to the secret sauce, too. So with that in mind, all right, what you got for us? All right. You, you use the term recipe. And mm -hmm. we've all been in the position where you kind of sort of remember the recipe for something and you give it your best shot. What's your best shot at uh, a recipe for creating uh, an unforgettable character? Give me five things. that <laughs> five, five, um, five ingredients for an unforgettable character. See, this is a clickbait uh, title here. You're making me go to school here, uh, take a test. Um, okay, well, number one, in my mind, and I don't know what the writing teachers teach, but in my mind, the character has to feel real. So that means that the decisions that they're making and the reasons they do things has to be genuine to that character. It can't be just because the plot needs to work a certain way. And if the plot needs to work a certain way, then you and that character doesn't work, then you either need to change the character or you need to change the plot or write a different story. Um, characters um, 
All right. Let, let, let me ask a follow-up question on okay. that first one, because and, and obviously there are going to be more, but the people listening to this show are people that enjoy well-written thrillers more than likely, and I've read books before where there are characters in there that feel so real that you want to kill yourself reading about their lives, that it's so terrible. They're not, those are not unforgettable characters, so that's clearly just one component. There's got to be some spark that, um, that the readers... You used the term uh, a few shows ago, or, or you said that we see ourselves in these books. The readers see themselves in these books, and we want to enjoy what's reflected back. And when we look at Monroe and we read these stories, we enjoy what's reflected back to us. And part of that's the reality, but there's more. Well, in, in, the, in the Monroe stories in particular, I mean, I think readers, each reader's going to come to the story for their own particular reasons. But uh, in general, general terms, what I hear most often from in the feedback is they read it for the vicarious um, kickassery. They, they, I mean, you know, Monroe is a gladiator in the arena and my readers are the ones out there crying for blood. Sorry, but that's just really the way it is. Anytime I've ever made a book where there's not as much fighting and not as much blood, I get the thumb downs, boo, cut off her head. So um, that's what those books are. And so in those books, books, the characters have to fit that world for them to be memorable. And, and in that world, we have to care about them in that arena. It's going to be different. Every, every genre, every book is going to have its, its own arena. And for, for a character to be memorable, we have to care about them. And I believe that to really care about a character, you have to know what they're thinking and feeling. So that would be the second thing um, of what would be required in an unforgettable character is to really be able to crawl into their head and understand what drives them, their motivations, why they do what they do, what they're thinking and feeling, their fears, their, their deepest yearnings. That doesn't mean that they go on a monologue and tell you all about that. That's stuff that you pick up through the course of really good storytelling is what they want. And like, I read a book recently where um, one of the characters that I wanted to see live didn't live, but I didn't realize that I actually cared about that character until he didn't live. In which case I was like, what? Hey, I, you know, and so that's good storytelling right there. Um, it doesn't, it was not a super character driven story, but I still cared enough about the character and I liked the character enough that I wanted to see him, uh, see him continue. I got to thinking about characters, especially, um, I'm a late comer to the Game of Thrones TV series. I've never read the books and um, I, I don't watch TV, so when I do watch a TV series, I'm going to watch them on DVD or something that's pre-recorded, and I'm going to binge watch on them and just watch a bunch of them. And I usually don't do that until there's at least several seasons because I don't like it when it, it's just left hanging and it's not finished. So I got to thinking about this watching the Game of Thrones of what is it that makes those stories 
on TV so compelling where you want to keep watching it. And part of it is there are some characters in there that you really, really hate and you want bad things to happen to them. And bad things are happening to all the good guys instead, the guys that you like. And you keep watching, hoping that the people that you hate will be taken down a peg or two or something bad will happen to them. So those characters, as much as we hate them, are still very memorable because we hate them. So a memorable character, it doesn't have to be someone that you like. It has to be someone that you care what happens to them. If you don't care about the character, good or bad, that character will be forgotten. So what makes you care about the character, whether good or bad? Well, that depends on the arena that they're in. And it, but it's all going to be through their actions, the things that they do and the things that they say and how they interact with the other characters in the story. One of the hardest stories to write and to make a character that people like are characters that there's only one. There's no dialogue. There's no back and forth. There's no interplay between characters. It's, it's, uh, it's hard. I, Hemingway did it with The Old Man in the Sea. But, I mean, for all his awesome writing, that book bored me to tears. <laughs> because there's nothing... It's, it's him against this fish, right? But there's no... It's him talking to himself. And that's why... In thrillers, there are, there's always a sidekick. And when you have a book where there's, there's not someone for the character to bounce themselves off on, it's really difficult to bring that character to life. So a memorable character is memorable also because of the interaction with the other characters in the story. And that, that's part of what makes us like them or not like them. And, and you're not going to feel one way or the other about a character that's not doing anything to any of the other characters. I'm writing this down. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I love that I can ask you for a list of five things, and you can actually give it. You can deliver. I think I only, I think I only got to three. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm. You know, we got all night. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, that's three. All right, they need to feel real. We have to care what happens about them, whether it be good or bad. And the interest with, oh, it's their interaction. My handwriting is so terrible. Sorry. Their interaction with other characters are what help to make them memorable to us. Yes. And, and how they affect and how they deal with um, the other characters. I guess the other, um, this one is kind of, uh, it's a little wonky because you hear it a lot like, uh, the character has to be relatable to the reader. Sometimes readers don't relate to a character not because the character isn't, isn't relatable, but because the reader has not lived a life that allows them to relate to something outside the boundaries of their own existence. So the writer can't try and create a character that the reader relates to, they can only create a character that they relate to in that sense. Because your audience will find you, you can't go chase the audience, it's just not gonna work. There are a lot of readers who cannot, absolutely cannot relate to Michael Monroe. And there are a lot of readers who detest her because she, they feel that she's just an emotionless cardboard cutout. 
which surprised me when I heard that, because to me, there is so much emotion in Monroe, but it's always very, very well tightly packaged and contained so as not to interfere with the choices that she has to make. And I've always felt that readers who didn't get that probably didn't have a super wide range of emotion themselves, which I'm sorry, I know that's a horrible thing to say, <laughs> and I should not speak ill of anyone. But we, like I said before, we all bring ourselves to the story. And if people aren't getting it, it's because they don't have it in them to get. And, and, and that's assuming that the story meets basic, you know, standards, <laughs> you know. Um, so a relatable character is, is kind of important, but it's not one of those things that you can actively seek to construct. It just, you make a character relatable, even to those who might not have lived that sort of life, by showing what they're going through, what they've been through, and making sure that, again, their motivations, their thought processes, put them all on the table. Because even if people can't necessarily relate to it, they can still empathize with it. And that makes it relatable. This is really good stuff. I, and and I'm, I'm thinking about different characters that I've really enjoyed reading through the years and walking through your list. And uh, it, it's all spot on. But you've only got four. I've only got four. Okay. Let me see. Another aspect that would make a character unforgettable. Um, adversity. Uh, conflict is what drives every story that we read. Nobody wants to go into a story about, and they lived in a nice house, and they had two happy children, and then they went to the picnic, and then they came home and had a lovely dinner, and then they went to bed, and they got up the next morning and did it all over again. We don't read stories about people's happy lives. We read stories that are full of conflict. If a story doesn't have conflict, then there is no story. And the character becomes memorable based on the level of adversity and conflict that they're facing and how they deal with it. The hero is always defined by the villain. If it's a weak villain, they'll have a weak hero. The more difficult the adversity and the more um, clever the overcoming, the more memorable the character. Because that character is solving problems that impress us. That character is in situations that we wouldn't want to be in and is finding a way to survive them. And it's not just about thrillers. It's about any story, whether it's... Um, a, a drama, a family drama, whether it's uh, even a cozy mystery, uh, whatever it is, that character is memorable because of the way they deal with the adversity that they're facing. Okay, you win. You got five and five good ones. <laughs> okay, I passed the test. <laughs> you know, I, I'm thinking... Uh, for me, one of the things that makes a character memorable and one of the things that makes Monroe so, character, uh, so memorable, and, and I may be in the minority because I'm not a, as much into the kick-assery um, as, as maybe some of the other readers. I'm more into her insights on the world. And, and that goes back to point number one, where the person feels real. When we see the world through their eyes and experience uh, their perception 
of the world, and it's insightful, and and we learn some things, or 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 we think about something a little bit differently. Um, that's I can see why you put feel real at the top of the list, and it it goes far beyond just the character feels real. There's so much depth that that's used to create these characters that that and feel real. I think maybe sometimes with beginning authors. Uh, they try and create that feel real by description, what clothes they're wearing, how they look, um, you know, adding a lot of extraneous stuff, thinking that it's going to help build the character, but it doesn't. Um, you know, if you've read the Monroe stories, and this might be a sin on my part, I don't know, but I've just never felt that it was really critical. You don't get a very good look at anybody's face because I, I, to me, it doesn't matter. She's tall. She's got dark hair, gray eyes, you know, fairly decently white skin and angular features. What more do you need to know? <laughs> you know, and Fill then in the every, rest. <laughs> everybody's going to put their face onto her and that allows them to adapt her to them. So I think a lot of uh, people, when they're just getting started, they try and create that sense of realism by describing what they see, but that doesn't work. That's not where the realism comes from. The realism comes from their the core of the character. And I'm going to go completely off topic here because I, I think You've summed it up perfectly, and, and, and we've done a great job with this particular topic. Something that started a few years ago uh, in the publishing world, maybe more in the indie world than the traditionally published world, where it became important to the sales of a book to have a character's face on the cover. Oh. And that just bugs the heck out of me because – I have the character's face in my mind, and it's never what shows up on the cover. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want that in any in and, any book. And I don't. I, I don't want to see it on the cover first, and then read the description. I I just like a cover that's a cover. You know, right. the, the title, the author, some stuff. Um, but I I don't like it. But it is a truism that having a person. Maybe not a full face, a partial face, but a person on the cover helps books sell at, think, a, at a certain I level think, now. I think it probably does, um, especially uh, if it's a striking, a striking face or, you know, something that's attention grabbing. I know that with the Monroe books, there was a deliberate decision by the editorial department sales team not to put any uh, human forms on the front of the covers, mm -hmm. specifically because the lead character was a woman, and they felt that if they put a woman on the cover, that it would drive away male readers who might otherwise be inclined to pick up a thriller. So that, and I 100% agree with them on that. There, there, um, it is a man's a man's uh, genre, and uh, I I sometimes wonder if these books would have been more successful if no one knew that I was a, a woman. I do get emails from men every so often informing me that they, as a matter of 
whatever pride principle, whatever, they don't read books women written by women, and particularly they don't read thrillers written by women, but they make an exception for me, <laughs> to which I say, thanks, I'll take it wherever I can get it. <laughs> but I, I mean, that's a, that's a bias based on probably previous experience with other female writers, but that doesn't mean that all female writers are going to be the same. But um, so, yeah, as far as having faces on covers, if if your female, if your protagonist is a female and you're writing in the thriller genre, you probably shouldn't stick one on there. Okay, we need a call to action. And you were pretty good a couple weeks ago. I had a really good one last week, and I think it's to you. Wait, what? Again? <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it easy on ourselves because I know that that you have uh, some things to do and you've got to get out of here. So we're up against a, a deadline today. If you're not on Taylor's email list, go to Taylor's website, taylorstevensbooks.com, click on the Connect With Me button, sign up for the email list. If you are on the email list, you get those email messages, and at the bottom, all the way at the bottom, there's this little bit that says, if you found this interesting or helpful or something, I, I'll be misquoting it, but share it with a friend. They're not on every single email, so but on some of them they are. But yes, can that be the call to action? If you're on the email list, get somebody else on it too. But don't forward them your copy because they might unsubscribe you. I've had that happen before, and it's really hard to get people back on after they've been unsubscribed by somebody else. Um, yeah, if you're going to forward someone a copy, then just take off the unsubscribe bit yeah, down at the bottom to, so they yeah, can't do that. Delete all the links down at the bottom before you forward it. But, yeah, let's that be the call to action all right. because all this goodness that you get on the podcast is there in email too, different forms, different topics, different way of discussing it. and A lot less laughter, though, in, the, in your oh emails. Oh, my God. It's so much easier to do a podcast because <laughs> you can say so much more in so much less time. But not everybody's a listener, so... Nope, that's true. So you've got people covered in every way but video. We've got to figure that one out. Oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, uh, we are at a wrap. So thanks very much for listening. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.